Welcome to the Ordinary Doula Podcast with Angie Rozier, hosted by Birth Learning, where we help prepare folks for labor and birth with expertise coming from 20 years of experience in a busy doula practice, helping thousands of people prepare for labor, providing essential knowledge and tools for positive and empowering birth experiences. Welcome to the Ordinary Doula Podcast. I am your host, Angie Roger. So for this episode, I kind of want to dive into a term that I think we're all familiar with, but I want to change it up a little bit. And that term is birth plans. So right away, the word plan gives us kind of a sense that we are in control. And while we can have a lot of preferences or desires about our birth wishes, we are not in control. We can't necessarily plan it out. But given that we know that, I will probably refer to the word birth plan throughout the podcast. So just understand that it's not the best use of terminology sometimes, but we kind of know what that is. So better words are birth preferences, birth wishes, birth desires, birth priorities. It is simply a list of things that are important to you, things about your birth that you want um, and where you can articulate your priorities. Some people will focus on the environment of the room, like the actual space they're in. Their birth plan might focus a lot on that. Others may focus on comfort measures they're going to use. But whatever it focuses on, it is a great tool of communication, which we're going to talk more about a little bit later. Recently, I read an article from Jersey, and it was a labor and delivery nurse. She was talking about this very thing, but she called it birth vibes, which I thought was kind of cool. However, um, she was a labor and delivery nurse, and if that's the first time you're coming up with what's important to you about your birth, it's probably a little bit late. Um, but I loved that she said, I ask all of my patients what they want the vibe of their birth to be, like what's, what's important to them about this. So I would, cr- I would encourage you to create a birth plan before you go into labor, long before you go into labor. Sometimes this requires a little bit of research. Maybe you don't know yet what your priorities are or what's important to you. Maybe you don't know what your options are and what can go on a birth plan. So do a little bit of research. Um, This is helpful after you've taken a childbirth class, maybe after you've talked to a provider and you kind of come to know what's important to you. There are a lot of options online where it's a checklist with pages, sometimes three or four pages. I've seen pretty long, extensive checklists. And this is a great place to start I think when you see these long checklists there's a lot of organizations that put them out Um, it I think it helps you know what your options could be so it gives you some ideas you aren't going to check every single box on one of these so don't really have that be your birth plan but look at it for some options and then create your own if you get one from your provider or from the hospital you are going to now birth centers might give you a pretty good one but if it's from a provider or a group of providers or a hospital be a little bit cautious of that because they probably only put options on there that they would be comfortable with choosing. So kind of look online and see what's out there as far as all those checklist ones and then create your own like document on one page. Don't do multiple page ones. Keep it very simple. So bullet points are amazing. You don't even need very many sentences on this. Um, Bullet points are awesome. Don't write a paragraph. Nobody's going to read a birthing philosophy essay. 
Nurses don't have time for that. However, they can quickly look and see with your bullet points what's important to you about your birth. When we craft our birth plans, I like to think of the three P's. We want to keep them positive, possible, and personal. So keeping them positive, that's the tone in which you are communicating on your birth plan. So we want it to be a list of things you want, not a list of things you don't want. The tone that you put off is going to be one of the first impressions that you're giving to those who will be taking care of, those who will be on your birth team. So we want that to be very positive. We want to invite them onto your team. We want them to be an important part of your team and let them know that we appreciate their role in this all throughout the process. Second, we want them to be possible, right? So it's hard. I wish we could request on our birth wish list or our birth plan that we had a smooth, simple, daytime, short labor. That would be an awesome desire. However, is that possible? Mm, maybe not. Maybe so. We don't know. Um, I'll tell you a fun story. I had a client a few years ago, and as I was meeting with them, I always check in and see what people's goals are, kind of what they want out of the experience. And with this particular couple, um, we had, I was working with the mom and the dad in this case, and the dad said that his goal was that this baby was born on his birthday, which was in April. And the mom's goal was that she had a short, smooth birth. She wanted a short birth. It was her first baby. So as they shared their goals with me, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope we can get these goals. Um, they didn't seem possible. But you know what happened? The most incredible thing that particular day in April came. It was a Monday. And it was his birthday. They woke up. They went for a walk. They had breakfast together. They both went to work. By lunchtime, she kind of contacted him and said, stuff's going on. I feel a little bit different. So she stopped working. He came home. Early afternoon, they contacted me, let me know what was going on. They arrived at the hospital, maybe 3.34 o'clock. I was right behind him. And that baby was born by later that evening, I think 9, 9.30, something like that. So they got what they wanted, which was pretty remarkable. Baby born on his birthday, labor all during the day no nighttime labor, and it was pretty short, smooth, and sweet. So, you know, you never know. The sky's the limit. But request things that, you know, are possible. And then personal. That is where we can take this and craft. You can put what's important to you into it. This is where you're going to put you into it. And you individualize your care when you let your preferences be known. So we want to kind of ask for things that might be outside of regular care and or or things that might be on the borders of regular care of the particular place or provider that you are at which you will hopefully be getting to know through your prenatal visits ask some questions we'll have other podcasts on on what questions to ask your provider so you kind of know the style and what to expect of your birthplace so providers have some typical styles maybe practices do hospitals definitely do i kind of look at every hospital as a conveyor belt, right? They put these pregnant women on a conveyor belt and they push them through their labor and delivery unit. And then whatever nurse is working has her own things she likes to do on the conveyor belt. And every provider, nurse or midwife, nurse midwife or doctor kind of has their conveyor belt system, if you will. But you might not fit in the conveyor belt system. And this is where you can articulate what you want that could be different. So long ago, when I first became a doula, we were 
really advocating on birth plans to not get episiotomies, which was fairly difficult at the time. In the early 2000s, there was a lot of episiotomies going on. Um, and it was a victory if we got a client to adhere to that portion of the birth plan. It was awesome. Another thing we had to advocate for, this is ridiculous and simple, but was to have dim lights. Like nurses were, I don't know, things have changed and I'm so glad, but nurses were just very used to brightly lit fluorescent rooms. The lights were always on. Maybe not at night while you were trying to sleep, but there was lights on all the time. So many times the nurse would come in and just flip on all the lights if they were off. So we used to have to ask for that. Now things have changed a lot. I remember also hoping, wishing like on a shooting star that we could get delayed cord clamping ever or immediate skin to skin ever. Those and other practices have become quite normal in most places across the country. So maybe you don't have to ask for delayed cord clamping or skin to skin, immediate skin to skin afterwards, but you can, maybe a lot of hospitals are doing that anyway, but you can go into more detail about that. Maybe you want delayed cord clamping for at least a minute or three to four minutes or until after the placenta has come. Do your research, find what you want, find out what you want. Um, and this is a place where you can articulate that. And then skin to skin. Yes, you want skin to skin. That's awesome. Most providers are doing that now. Um, and you can articulate the details around that. Maybe you want totally uninterrupted bonding time for one hour. That means we're not doing any newborn cares as far as like shots or eye ointment. Um, we're not slapping a diaper on the baby. Um, we just want uninterrupted skin to skin time. I was at a birth just yesterday, yesterday or the day before, and at a hospital I love, like I totally enjoy working here, great birth team. However, I was a little bit dismayed as soon as this baby was born. We had a very energetic pushing team, you could say. Like there was some folks in the room, some hospital staff that were just had a little too high of energy for this particular mom. I kind of had to demonstrate toning it down for her. Um... And she got her immediate skin to skin, and it was uninterrupted bonding time. However, by the time that baby was three minutes old, it already had both what we call eyes and thighs. So it had both erythromycin ointment in its eyes, and it had shot in each leg. So a hepatitis B shot and a vitamin K shot within three minutes. So while this mom was getting maybe what she wanted, a little more detail could have um, on the birth plan could have been helpful if she didn't want um, that immediate, you know, baby skin procedures done at three minutes old. That was fast. That was a little fast for me. I was a little bit surprised. Um, but we want to ask for things that might be outside the borders. So, so let me give you a couple of examples of unique requests. One time I had a dad, and this was many years ago. I see this more commonly now, but many years ago it was very uncommon. We were some old school OBs. And this dad wanted to catch the baby. So that was like wildly out of the doctor's comfort zone. But they talked about it in their prenatal visits. It was on their birth plan and the doctor let him do it. Um, so that's something that's kind of unique. Sometimes the mom might want to receive the baby. Maybe she wants to reach down and help deliver her own baby. That's a little bit outside of what most providers do. But that's, this is a good place to put it is on your birth plan. I had a client years ago who was a Scientologist. I helped her have four babies. The first two, she was not a Scientologist, but the third and fourth baby, she was. And in that belief system, um, birth is silent. Like, nobody makes any noises. 
So that was the very most important thing in her birth plan is that was nobody was to make any noise, including herself. She had a whiteboard that we could communicate with the staff. I was very glad I had helped her twice before, so I knew what worked for her. We had done this a couple of times. Taught me a lot about verbal support. Um, she had a beautiful couple of beautiful births that were silent. That changed how the hospital staff approached her and what she did, and they were awesome to honor her wishes. Two different hospitals, actually. Um, I also had another couple. Now, this is kind of funny, but you know what? Everyone has their own preferences, and don't knock them. But this couple, they had had, I think this was their sixth baby, and to each delivery, they would bring a brand new tiny little white onesie. And what they wanted when the baby was born was, before the baby was wiped off, they wanted what they called baby goo footprints on the front of that onesie. And I think they like stained them or dyed them or did some kind of imprint with whatever the footprint was. But that that meant the hospital staff couldn't dry the baby right away. We got that onesie in there, put the feet on there, and they got their memento that was important to them. And then the hospital staff could go about doing their um, standard care at that point. Another client of mine, a couple of years before they were having this baby, they had had a still. So the very most important part of her birth plan was that she hear the baby before she received the baby. And her doctor was phenomenal to get a really robust cry from the baby before he placed the baby up on her chest because that was very important to her. Sometimes I've had clients with a cord blood banking kit. That changes That's what the staff does at delivery. So they need to be aware um, that they've got a few extra things to do. They're going to watch cord clamping and things like that. Um, as they get blood out of the cord and placenta, that changes what they do. Um, I've had clients that want a certain song playing when the baby's born, and that might that role might fall to me or to the partner to work on that. We may have a client that has trauma in their past, and so they might have a very articulated birth plan as to what's important to them for them to have a positive experience. And that might mean um, simple things that are so important, though, to people's experiences, like the provider sitting on a stool to talk to them rather than standing over them in the bed or um, having full explanations of anything before it's done. All of these, it's part of respectful care. Um, but these things can be kind of more articulated depending on the unique needs. This is where we ask for unique things. Other important reasons to use a birth plan are if your situation is interesting, whether that's medically, emotionally, if you are carrying multiples, you might want a specific birth plan to your situation. Maybe you're dealing with some health risk factors or have a high risk pregnancy and have a lot of things going on. All the more important to identify what is important to you and how your team can help and support you. Please, if you have an interesting, unique situation, make sure you articulate your desires through a birth plan. Can also pull in some points of postpartum. So that would be things with the baby, yes, skin to skin, but maybe includes yes, we're circumcising, no, we're not. Um, yes, we're breastfeeding, no, we're not. We want rooming in. Um, and with, there's some cool cultural things to consider as well. And some, some beautiful cultures around the world, there might be some things that are important in the first minutes or hours after birth that you could articulate on a birth plan as well. Um, one of the things I always like to look for on a birth plan is that it requests that the mom can be in the position of her choice when the baby is born. When the baby's actually coming out of her body, she can be wherever she wants to be. 
whether that's on our hands and knees, whether that's on our side. Um, I, I like her to have that autonomy of choice. A little bit more difficult with an epidural, but um, certainly not impossible to be in a, in a position other than flat on your back. So that's a great thing to put on a birth plan. And your nurse is going to review your birth plan. Your nurse can become your advocate. If you have a doula, your doula is your advocate. A partner can be an advocate. Sometimes it's nice to organize a birth plan. Again, one page is great. But organize it in stages of labor so that nurses can quickly go to, like we have a shift change right before pushing, which we did the other day. And that's when a whole new energy came into the room that um, was not the same vibe that this mom had been having all day. But you can articulate, okay, during labor, this is what's important to me. During actual birth, this is what's important to me. And then maybe after labor, you can do it as simple as that. But the birth plan is a, an important tool of communication. So this is something you've thought about, you've articulated what's important to you, you know what's important to you. Um, and if you arrive in advanced labor at the place you're giving birth, sometimes you're not communicating all that well. So the the birth plan is a really good tool of communication. It tells the staff who you are. You might, you know, first at the heading put who you are, maybe your due date, any interesting medical things about you. Some people go so far as to put blood type. Um, you know, you can get into some medical details. Most people don't. If they have a doula, they might put that. They might put this as a girl or boy. Um, but breaking it down into stages of labor can be helpful. Um, and also having it look fun, having it stand out and be unique. I've had people print it on a fun color of paper so it doesn't get mixed in with everything else. I've had people put a picture of themselves on it, whether they have maybe another child or them and their dogs. As soon as people see that picture of you not in a hospital gown, maybe you're hiking in the mountains or you're walking with your dog or you're at the park with your toddler, they're like, oh, this person has a life outside of this hospital. And they kind of, into, again, individualizes your care. I've had some people use a really fun font or kind of have a fun message at the bottom. One of my couples that I've helped, um, they have them have, I helped this couple have six babies. And at the bottom of their birth plan, they put, um, if you have any questions, just ask us, we don't bite or something like that. It was just a cute little phrase to, to kind of play with, um, with some fun. Another couple that I worked with not long ago had, um, the partner was a graphic designer. He did a lot. That was one of the skill sets he had. And he was also from Greece. So he designed, he had a lot of fun with the birth plan. And this couple did a lot of research, a lot of education. And there's some very poignant things that they wanted pointed out because they wanted a little bit of a different experience than what you typically have in the big hospital that they were birthing at. And so his birth plan was bright yellow and a very Greek theme to it that was beautiful. The baby was having a very Greek name. And months later, by the way, they had an amazing experience um, in the hospital, very well cared for. Um, and months later, the midwifery group who cared for them came to me and said, hey, Angie, do you remember that couple with the yellow Greek birth plan? We are doing some marketing materials, um, some testimonials with past clients, and we were wondering if you thought that may, they might be a good candidate to give us a testimonial. So they stood out even months later. You, it kind of individualizes your care, makes you a person, not a patient on someone's shift that day or that night whenever you're having a baby. All right, now that you've written and created a birth plan, what do you do with it? 
It could be a great idea to take this birth plan to one of your appointments with your provider. Let them take a look at it. Some of them may have suggestions. Some of them may not care or really look at it very closely. They may take it and put it in your chart. Um, They might scan it into something, but take it to a provider. Let them see it. And then take a couple of copies, two, three, four, whatever you would like, to the birthplace with you. So hospital, birth center, whatever that might be. And then distribute them to your nurse like upon arrival so they can quickly see, okay, what's important to this person? They can sort themselves and kind of assign nurses sometimes based on birth plans. So if we have a nurse that loves whatever you've articulated on your birth plan, whether you want to be really mobile and unmedicated or your plan is to get an epidural, um, nurses can kind of gravitate to what they enjoy most. So take a few copies with you to the hospital. Again, nurses will, when they shift, they change shifts. Nurses might review the birth plan with the next person taking care of you. Have one in the room too for everyone to refer to. For the partner, if you have a doula support person, if your mom, your grandma, your sister's there, have a birth plan in the room that others can refer to. Some people will hang it right on the door, um, but it's nice to have one available there as well. Now let's talk about if you're giving birth outside of a hospital. Birth plans take on a little bit of a different meaning there. A birth plan is kind of an advocacy tool. It helps, again, individualize your care. If you're giving birth outside of a hospital, you're already getting very individualized care. There's less um, advocacy to be doing for yourself and for your situation, but it becomes more of a coping plan and still lets your team members know, whoever that might be, whether it's a midwife, an assistant, or a nurse at the birth center, whatever that particular team is made up of, kind of how they can help you. But it becomes more of a a coping plan in a lot of those cases. Now, some folks who are having an out-of-hospital birth might want to create a birth plan for a hospital in case there's a transfer, which transfers don't happen very often, thank goodness. But sometimes that that piece comes into play a lot more um, importantly if we transfer to a hospital. Like, all right, here's what I wanted. I wanted a home birth or a birth center birth, and here I am in your hospital. Here's how you can help me still have a good experience. And of course, still keeping it with a good tone, inviting them onto your team, um, writing it positively and, and gratefully that you're helpful, grateful for their help. So those are some other ways to use a birth plan. So coming back to the fact that it's a tool of communication, regardless almost of what's on it, we want your important things to be on it, but just the fact that you have a birth plan, that you took the time to do one, shows two very important things about you. One is that simply you know some stuff. You've done some research, you've educated yourself. You would be surprised how many people, maybe you wouldn't be surprised, but a lot of people just walk into the hospital to have a baby, having given it not much more thought, maybe some fear, but not a lot of thought and preparation then they're going to go have their teeth cleaned at the dentist or something. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things to navigate. So the fact that you create a birth plan shows this stuff like, all right, room four, they know some stuff. We're going to educate them more about this. We're going to look for consent a little more than um, on procedures, which they always should. But this helps, again, you kind of rise to the top and individualize your care. The second very important thing that it does is reminds the staff that what happens today is important to you. You are an individual having a very incredible human experience. 
And the folks helping you, your birth team, while they may be very skilled and very wonderful, they're at work. They're just doing a day at work. And I don't know how special everyone's day at work is, um, but it's not as special as the day that you're going to have that your baby's born. So a birth plan can help remind them of that. So something I want you to think about as you're creating your own birth plan in your own heart and mind, realize that this is just things that are important to you. We don't know how exactly your birth is going to go. And I would encourage you to prepare. Knowledge is power. Preparation is key. However, remain open and flexible to how your birth story unfolds. And let your birth story unfold as it needs to, being prepared along the way. So while we're planning it, keep your heart and mind open to what may happen. So head on over to our website. It's birthlearning.com where you can find a free template. It's just a simple layout, kind of breaks things down by labor stage. You're welcome to use it, copy it, get ideas from it. And I've kept it simple. I love short, sweet, and simple. So unless we have a unique situation, this covers a lot of generalities that you can use and feel free to add to it. Um, But please articulate your plan, your wishes, your preferences, your desires, your priorities. What is the vibe you want at your birth? Wishing you the very best in birth. This is Angie Rozier with the Ordinarily Doula podcast. Thank you for listening to the Ordinary Doula podcast with Angie Rozier, hosted by Birth Learning. Episode credits will be in the show notes. Tune in next time as we continue to explore the many aspects of giving birth.